Today's guest is an ex-Navy SEAL officer, an ex-FBI agent, a current Wim Hof cold exposure instructor who is now turned into a dynamic leadership consultant and author. Stay tuned as this is a good one. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F-Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F-word. Our guest, Errol Dobler, has a fascinating story. He draws on so many experience as being a Navy SEAL, an FBI agent, traveling across the entire world, talking and conversing with terrorists all around the world, a current Wim Hof instructor, and now a dynamic, powerful leadership consultant. Errol's ability to simplify our emotions and leadership into a process is incredible. During this conversation, Errol is going to walk us through his art and science of leadership process that he describes in his new book, The Art and Science of Leadership, how leaders inspire confidence and clarity in combat, in the boardroom, to the kitchen table. All of this is so applicable to our money and the money stories that we have as he really talks about developing this personal culture and emotional awareness around what's going on inside of our bodies as we all face emotions, whether it's in combat, in the boardroom, or around our money. Before we get to the episode, if you've been enjoying our guest, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a review. And if you leave a review this week and take a screenshot Send it to me and I'll enter you in a draw to win a free copy of Errol's new book. This book is wonderful. So please send a review and enjoy this conversation with Errol. Welcome back to the most hated F word. Today, I'm excited to have Errol Dobler and I'm going to read Errol's uh, bio here just to give everyone an idea who he is and his background. Errol is a 1991 graduate of the United States Navy Academy. During his time as a naval officer, Errol served as assistant operations, assistant platoon commander, SEAL Team 4, and platoon commander at SEAL Team 1. Errol then joined the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, where he investigated international terrorist organizations out of the FBI's flagship office in New York City, and also served as the member of the FBI's New York SWAT team. While deployed to Afghanistan in 2010, Errol participated in extensive combat operations and was then presented with the FBI's second highest award for valor, the Shield of Bravery, for his actions on the battlefield. Errol left the FBI after 13 years of service to begin his own leadership consulting firm, Leader 193, in 2016. Errol has worked with executives and teams from Fortune 100 companies, professional sports organizations, small tech startups, and individual executives across a vast array of industries around the world as the founder. Leader 193 seeks to empower great leaders and better human beings with a leadership process that creates a common leadership language. Errol, welcome to our show. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. I really do appreciate you asking me to come on. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I, I like your energy. I actually saw your Instagram uh, post this morning where you, you had to take a, a cold bath and <laughs> to get ready for the day. That's right, to get ready for this podcast. I, yeah, yeah if, you, if that's what you saw, I said, look, I, I've got to be bringing my best self. I was invited on. I'm feeling a little sluggish. Let's, let's get myself right so we can, we, can, we can bring everything we have to bear for your audience. I, and I, it made me feel very good inside when I heard that. So thank you. <laughs> I was like, well, he's talking about. I don't work. take these. I don't. I don't take these for granted, right? It it, it means it means a lot. So uh, I, again, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, and I, later, I want to get into the ice bath. But first, mm-hmm. um, Errol, your mission with your company, and I assume there's a personal mission in there as well is to empower great leaders and better, or, and better human beings with a leadership process that creates a common leadership language from the boardroom to the kitchen table, as I've heard you say. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dive mm-hmm. into that process in a bit. 
But a couple of weeks ago, I was lucky enough to be a part of a conversation where you talked about this idea of personal culture. I'd like to start Mm -hmm. there. So outside of the bio I just read up there, first off, who is Errol? And then can you explain to our audience, what do you mean by this personal culture? And I know your background's not money, but your background's leadership and this idea of personal culture. In your eyes, how do you think this can relate to us trying to navigate the stories we tell ourselves with money? Well, so it's it's a great topic of conversation for sure. Um, you know, who who am I, again, aside from, from the uh, bio? And it's a great question because people struggle with that, right? The, you know, the, the big thing here, let me, all of a sudden things got dark. Here we go. Um, the, you know, the, the people really get caught up in this, you know, what's my why, right? And, and I'm, I'm with it. I got it. You're, you're, why are you doing things that are important? Why we exist? But those are, those are hard questions sometimes. And, and your why may change, right? It may change from minute to minute, hour to hour, um, decade to decade, whatever it is. And that's, I think that that's okay as well. Um, but the who should always remain the same. And a real identity, you know, a real ability to say, who am I is important because who you are may dictate your why. Okay. It may, it, it's going to influence your why. <clears throat> because if who you are doesn't match with why you think you're doing things, well, then you've got some decisions to make. Um, again, who, who am I? I also say a lot, if you are identifying something with something that can be taken away from you, you've got to readdress that. Okay. So what does that mean? You know, I've, I've got a, I've got a resume. It's pretty cool, but I had identified myself as a Navy SEAL until I got injured and I wasn't. Then what was I? And that really started me on this reflection, you know, process, you know, over many years. So who am I now? This is a very long answer, but it's an important answer because it goes to the personal culture that we're going to talk about. Um, Right now, who am I is I am somebody who brings my best self to every single interaction. If I do that, will I be better at everything else I do, right? If I do that, will I be better at whatever my widget is? Will I be a better husband? Will I be a better father? Will I be a better son, friend, community member? The answer is yes. So I like that identify that, that, uh, that who that I've identified for myself. And it's hard. Okay. It's not cliche, right? Because I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go downstairs with my wife, homeschool and the kids. And when I say homeschool, we disenrolled them from school until this craziness ends and we're doing it ourselves. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not bringing my best self separate from what we, me and you just did down there, then, well, what's the point? So that's kind of who I, who I'm trying to be. Okay. Takes a lot of being in the moment and all those things. Um, but yeah, somebody who brings their best self to every single interaction, again, minute to minute, second to second, if need be, certainly hour to hour, day to day. So is that, does that make sense? That's a long answer to your question, maybe a little more than you bargained for. No, you know what, Errol? That, that is like, per, like I really appreciate that, um, that answer. When I, I was writing these notes out a couple, in the last couple of days and the who was like not that level of depth. But then when I saw your Instagram post this morning, you talked a bit about the why and the who. I'm like, oh, I hope he goes there. And you did. So thank you. And, you know, Simon Sinek really brought up that why and really, really made it popular. And I, I've never seen this frame around the who. So I really appreciate that because you're right. I look at myself. My why has changed dramatically. Every day I'm, a, I'm kind of a new person with the new information I gave gave but that who is yeah i really really like that idea of who am i you know and, if you th- and if you think about it the the why and again i'm i'm a simon sinek fan i enjoy his yeah. work but if you really ask people honestly about their why they're like ah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you know it's and it's usually some very large altruistic thing to make the world a better place again cool but that that why doesn't help me and my wife get my seven-year-old, six-year-old, and two-year-old out the door. My why at that point is to not lose my S, as it were, <laughs> you know, and, and try to maintain some calm and get everybody out in a good, positive way, right? That's a whole new why. 
why am I doing this? What, what, what am I about right now? I am trying to remain calm and set a good example for my kids. I'm trying to enjoy this, even though it's chaotic. That's different from some huge grandiose why. So, you know, why is it a, a tough and changing question? Who should be fairly consistent, I think? I, you know, I, I really, really like that. And like, it just speaks to, and I, I mean, we'll talk more about the, the process of doing things later, but I mean, you just lived through that with me snooping on your Instagram where your who is to show up the best interactions of what you do and you weren't feeling so good. So you jumped in a 36 degree ice bath. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, and let's just tell it, right. We, I, I hit an Instagram post, you know, I told my wife, she, you know, where are you going? I said, I, I got to get an ice bath and I'm just feeling, I'm feeling sluggish. I'm not feeling clear or engaged. And she's like, all right, you know, do a post you know, cause she handles all the social media stuff. And I, I said, oh, you know, every time she does that, she's right. I need to do it. Yeah. I'm like, well, what am I going to talk about? I'm like, well, why am I going to the ice bath? Because I am about to go on a podcast and I am not feeling my best self. So time to snap out of it. You know, that's, that's my way a lot of times of, of kind of refocusing and, and bringing my best self to every, uh, every situation is, a, is an ice bath, is cold exposure. It doesn't mean that that's what would be for everybody, but yeah, so you saw it firsthand. Yeah. That was perfect. <laughs> and I like that because that's part of your process. You follow the process. You don't have to think. You know ice baths are your thing. You go do it. That's right. Um, the, the other part before, uh, we will get to the personal culture, but you said another thing that I really appreciated in this answer and who is Errol, is you said, I'm trying to be, you know, you mm-hmm. said like, you, not that you are, and we both know Mac and something that he's always says is that these journeys that we go on in life is a mountain without a top, top always striving, never arriving. And I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that you share that idea that you're trying to, it doesn't mean that that we've arrived because I think when we arrive, I actually, I'd like to get your perspective on that. You, you said that, what is your view on that idea of a mountain without a top, like our journeys? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, a shout out to Mac, you know, James McPartland. Um, I agree. You know, what, what else can you say? Mm-hmm. The, you know, and you've just, especially in, especially in my business, right. I'm, I'm in leadership consulting and I've got, I've got to come to the table with a, with a degree of humility um, and vulnerability around my shortcomings because otherwise people don't trust you, right? They just simply don't. And so for me to say, I am, I bring my best self to every uh, interaction, it would be a lie. It's a bold-faced lie because I don't, you know? Um, but I'm always aware when I don't, right? And that's, that's the beauty of this thing. What do I want? How am I acting? How do I close that gap? So if I'm aware of who, who I want my who to be, you know, I can make that quick adjustment, you know, after the fact, right? I can recognize, boy, you didn't do it at that time. Now maybe go back and apologize, right? Because I probably did something. So, you know, it, it's very important, at least for me, to maintain, um, how do I say, to maintain a healthy respect for mother nature and her ability to influence things, if you will, right. And whether it's mother nature or God or, or some other, you know, religious or spiritual thing that you're doing. Um, I do believe in a greater force out there and I will never say I've got it licked, but I will say I am, I am trying to, mm-hmm. to lick it the best I can. And that's, I think that's all we can do, you know? I, I appreciate that in a world of Instagram and social media, so many people claim that they've got it figured out, but usually underneath there's kicking the kicking duck feet. And I appreciate your um, transparency there. So let's move on to this personal culture. Um, okay. Yeah. Let, let's hear you talk about personal culture. I really appreciated this concept. So <clears throat> culture and personal culture is part of my leadership process. Um, and what the, the 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 first part of that you know nothing i promote my leadership process is a process right there's five elements to which we'll talk about it it's, it's not even important whether we do or not we're going to talk about the one of the elements but what's important to note is that each one of the elements builds on the one before it's not just a set of five separate and distinct leadership philosophies where one may apply and one may or may not apply these in my view apply to every situation. And when we discuss culture, it's based on an awareness of what we do, 
based on how we're feeling, what our emotions are, right? If we start that awareness, I feel, I recognize my emotions, and these emotions drive me to do these things. And what these things are, are my culture, is my culture, right? Culture is made up of the things we do, not the labels we put on them. And so, you know, for us to make positive change in our life, we've got to have awareness and we've got to have awareness around what we're doing, what our culture is, and then look at it and say, what do I like? What do I not like now? Based on that, what can I change? So it's very targeted. Okay. Uh, People don't, you know, just like, you know, it resonated with you because it's not something people talk about a lot, a personal culture. Mm-hmm. And and we have it. And, and people just don't realize it. what's your culture? Well, what do you mean? What's my culture? And again, that's that's the explanation I gave. So that's that's what I mean around personal culture. And it's and the beauty of it is it's applicable. Once I have I talk to leaders and and people who are trying to make good, solid behavioral change, we implement the same idea to the people they lead, to the teams they lead, right? Now be aware of what your team's culture is, what's your family's culture, what's your friend's culture. What do you all do? What does that mean? Well, we all, uh, we interrupt each other and, and make fun of each other. Okay, once again, it's not right, it's not wrong, it's not good, it's not bad. It's just an awareness. And then you can decide as a group, is that bringing us to where we want to be? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Right. So it's not my place to judge what's good and what's bad. It's my place to say you need to be aware of it and be able to identify it. Uh, and that's so that's kind of the basis behind culture, cultural awareness and recognition is what I call it. Yeah, you know, I, I it did resonate to me as your point. And I like how you you again, you frame this in, um, I would say, a positive way in the sense of just have awareness, identify and no judgment. That's I think right. the, like judgment just, I don't know if you have anything on judgment, but judgment well, just is so toxic, toxic. Well, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's irrelevant. The, the only judgment should come as to whether or not it's bringing you to the place you want to be. That's a, that's a fair judgment. That's right. an assessment. That's not even a judgment. Um, because if we're judging ourselves, we, we, we just may not get past it. You know, because once we start judging, wow, I realize that this is my personal culture because what I do is I talk about people behind their back, right? Um, And because you're aware, you say, wow, I do that. That's kind of my culture. And even though people don't know I do it because I'm talking about it behind their back, I know. And I'm such a bad person for that. I suck. And now you're going down to the abyss of self-loathing and negative self-talk. It's useless, okay? Mm -hmm. But I can definitely say, yeah, I do that. I don't like it. I don't like the way it looks. Uh, I want that removed from my personal culture. That's that's healthy. Um, it, you know, judgment is important. If we if we are putting judgment in there, then we won't see the truth, right? We just won't see it because we don't want then to have to say to ourselves, yeah, you're you're terrible. Look at that because mm. that's what judgment does. Yeah. And if we just make sure judgment is not in the equation, we get to look at it objectively, and then we objectively see, is that bringing my best self to every scenario? And if it's not, then what do I want it to be? Okay, and it's usually something the opposite. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I'm going to take a second to, our listeners, they're getting used to not always talking about money. Because, because I mean, money is just a tool. It's the underneath, yeah. and that's why you're here, and that's why I'm loving this conversation. But I've, I've written about this story about these two individuals and this idea of personal culture applies to them. And I just want to share it with you. So yeah. these, these are both real people. One guy's name was Adolf Merkel. He was a business leader in Germany. He was like the third or fourth richest man in Germany. I, I can't remember. I don't have the stats. Like $13 billion. Anyways, in 08, the economy started doing terrible. He lost about $4 billion. So he had a judgment on himself and it was like, I'm no longer the third or fourth richest person in Germany. I'm making some risky bets. Well, later that year, he lost another $8 billion, which then actually led him to be forcing him into bankruptcy, which he actually took his life by going in front of a train because he couldn't face that judgment he's putting on himself. On the mm. other hand, I have this, this other individual named Leonard Gagowski from the United States. He was a 
a, uh, a grocer and he just worked at a grocery store his whole life, loves the school, went to a high school every day for, at the um, cafeteria to eat with the students. Um, he, he, he loved pigeon racing. I didn't know this was a thing. But anyways, he loved ballroom <laughs> dancing too. <laughs> he had a ballroom dancing floor in his basement. He lived a good life, passed away around 90. And the people close to him were blown away when he found out that he left millions and millions of dollars to that high school that he loved. But this guy had a personal culture of enjoying himself. Apparently, pigeon racing's fun and ballroom dancing's fun. And it's just a good story about how the intent of this podcast is money, it matters, but only to a certain degree. Look at this guy who plays so much judgment and arguably, to your point about personal culture, maybe he had a poor personal culture, rich bank account, but poor personal culture. And that's why it really resonated with me. Well, I don't think, you know, and those are great stories uh, on, on both ends of the spectrum of what we're talking about for sure. And it's based around money. And look, money is important. You know what I mean? We can't, right. it's, it's very, very vogue to say, you know, money doesn't matter. Yeah. Says the person who has money, you know, <laughs> okay. When you don't have money and when you're struggling, it matters a lot. It doesn't mean that it defines your happiness, but yes. it, it takes up time, right? Okay, we're, we're running out of money. What are we going to do? You have to have those conversations. So, you know, I just, I'm okay with people who I get what they're saying when they say money doesn't matter and blah, blah, blah. It does. Okay, you've got to pay attention to it. It's a real thing and it, and it, and it affects very uh, many aspects of our lives. That said, that's, you know, your stories really outline the two extreme ends. You know, here's somebody who was the richest, third richest person in Germany or whichever it was, and then all of a sudden they weren't and they couldn't bear it and they killed themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, money's not that important. <laughs> okay, yeah. I can tell you that. Yeah. You know? Um, so, but, you know, when we talk about money and the relationship to personal culture and then even emotions, I, I can tell I, I'm an emotional spender. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So um, we've got our own business right now. Everything was really looking up, right? The beginning of 2020 was we were crushing it. And then all of a sudden it happened, right? right? The world went upside down and then, you know, got to start back to the beginning. It's almost like you started all over again, watching where every dollar goes, so on and so forth. And, you know, I remember a couple of times I was getting frustrated what was happening and I'm just, uh, you know, whatever I was doing, searching the web and saw some pretty cool clothes that I probably would have purchased otherwise. And I was like, you know what? I deserve these clothes. Mm -hmm. And I almost went and bought them. And, I'm, and I had to stop and say, whoa, mm -hmm. if that's not, if that doesn't fit right into my leadership process, do you recognize your emotion and do you recognize the actions that that emotion drives? I was about to buy a bunch of stuff that A, I didn't need, but I just wanted because I was feeling frustrated with where the world was at the time, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, again, I'm not really sure what point I'm making other than to say, I've got my own relationship with money too. And it's usually based around emotion. <laughs> so, Yeah. And, and I'm glad you, you uh, after my, my example of the stories, you, you made that point about money is important. And I need to, yeah, I 100% I agree. Is that like money is incredibly important, especially, I mean, I come from a, um, a privileged situation where my basic needs and necessity are, are met and I don't have to like, like my shelter food. I know those are going to be okay. Where a lot of individuals, um, yeah, that's survival and money is 100% related to happiness. And through the research we've seen is after that level of your basic needs are met, then it, the correlation between like, to your point, happiness and extra money, it's, 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 understanding my view, the emotions and the personal culture to know how to allocate that money because money's a tool. And, and yeah. when spent on those beautiful things that matter, like for me, like my kids and this, that makes me happy. But it's the personal culture first. And that's my message is once we have enough to meet our, our basic needs, then it's a tool to, to spend it on things that make us happy, which I think comes from that personal culture and knowing your emotions like you talked about. Yeah, you know, I think some of my favorite stories as it relates to money are, and it's usually 
Well, it's, 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 it's successful people who hearken back. And, and some of my favorite stories are where the people were poor and they'll say things like, I didn't know we were poor. Mm. Okay. Because we kept our house clean. We were happy. We, we talked and, you know, and that's a testament to whoever, and there's plenty of those stories out there. That's a testament to the parents putting a culture. Yes to their family. Okay. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you the parents were talking about money all the time. Okay. But what was their culture? Their culture was like, we're going to do the, you know, again, I I haven't talked to these people, but what else could it be other than we, here's the best we can do with the money we've got. We're going to try to feed, you know, we're going to try to put food on the table, keep a roof over the head. But what we're not going to do is let it dictate how we act towards each other or how we represent ourselves in this family, see what is our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, there's just, there's a lot of stories around money because money is that powerful kind of thing out there that makes people do a lot of times makes people act outside of their best selves. Yeah. And you know, that that's what really drew me to wanting to get you on the podcast is just your in-depth, perspective and awareness about emotions and how they cause us to do things that we don't want to do, whether it's, <laughs> I'm going to quote this later in the book, but I, I heard you had quite the background uh, in the Navy, maybe some drinking and some, <laughs> some behaviors. <laughs> this has come from the book that, uh, that made, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, no, that's right. Put it out there. We're underlined, but that parallel between our emotions, mm-hmm. it, that's what really drew me your perspective on emotions and um, being aware of them. So this brings me to an idea of vulnerability. Um, mm-hmm. So speaking of emotions, I feel like to, to be able to be vulnerable, we need to be in tune with our emotions. And sure. I want to read a quote from your book. While my resume may look impressive, the real power in my background comes not from my experiences, but from the number of mistakes and unmitigated screw-ups I experienced along the way. So my question for you is, I bring this up in terms of a context of emotions and vulnerability and what do we learn from those experiences? But can you discuss how vulnerability can play into being a leader for us, you, me, everybody, as we navigate the stories of our lives? Yeah. So vulnerability, vulnerability does not mean oversharing every single emotion that you have. Okay. We can't do that. You know, as leaders, we can't do that. Um, you know, sometimes if you're afraid, you have, to, you have to acknowledge to yourself always the emotion. Okay, to yourself internally, that's where it starts, right? So we can say, let's just say I am leading my group of people to do whatever during a tough time. And I'm about to put the plan out and I'm scared to death. Okay, I have to acknowledge that to myself. First, I'm scared. Okay, and what? How am I going to act on this? Okay, I'm going to act unafraid. I'm going to act confident. Okay, because first of all, I should have confidence because I put together a plan. But more importantly, the situation, the situation is this, right? I'm aware of the situation. And now more than ever, my people need to see me steadfast. Mm-hmm. It is not the time for me to tell them I'm afraid. Okay, it's just not because there's too much at stake. Mm-hmm. Okay, that doesn't mean I'm not vulnerable. I did the vulnerability part to myself personally first, and then I made a decision. The situation dictates I need to come strong with this thing. Okay, now I might be right or I might be wrong. At least it's a conscious decision, and you'll hear me talk about that a lot. Right? It's not about the right decisions; it's about the conscious decision. If we're making conscious decisions and it doesn't work out, or it does work out, we can always go back and see why, where, and when. Now that said. In this very same scenario, it, it may dictate that I tell people, hey, look, folks, I'm a little afraid right now. I'm not so sure how this is going to work out. So if you're afraid, know that I'm afraid. However, here's what we're going to do. Mm. Okay? So that's a different form of vulnerability. Okay? Because I'm, I'm expressing it to other people. 
doesn't mean the first one was wrong because again, the most important part about vulnerability is to ourselves. Okay. Cause then we can just say, all right, what's the, what do we think the best move is for my team, for my family? What message do I want to send? Cause it's going to vary. It, it certainly is. So that's the first thing around vulnerability. It doesn't mean we have to just bear our soul <laughs> at every moment, okay? It's just, that's not always necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, it means we have to be ready to, to varying degrees. That has to always be on the table. And if it's always on the table, then as leaders, we're going to be okay, right? And it can change on a dime, right? I might go, I might be thinking to myself, my team cannot see me afraid right now for whatever reasons I give, but I'm afraid. And I might go in and say, um, you know, uh, to myself, all right, I'm going to project total confidence. And then I look around the room and I see everybody is feeling a little too confident, right? Feeling a little too cocky. Maybe the feet are up on the table. All of a sudden, I've got to change. And I've got to say, wait, I've got to get a little vulnerable here, vulnerable here because I feel like they need to be more afraid. <laughs> so then you can say it, right? Hey, look, I'm afraid. And if you're not afraid, you need to be afraid. Yeah. Cool. So it, it varies. Okay. But I, I guess the, 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 the answer is vulnerability to yourself 100% of the time. If you are not identifying and acknowledging, I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling less than. I'm feeling less than worthy. Whatever it is, I'm feeling shame. If you're not vulnerable with yourself, you cannot make the proper adjustment to where you want to go. Okay. The vulnerability to the outside will vary. Okay. But without the awareness of what's happening based on emotions, you may not make the right choice. So I, I hope that does that make yeah, sense or no, did no. I jumble that all? <laughs> uh, no, I, I really like that idea actually. Cause like, yeah, vulnerability has come into, um, many books. Brene Brown has done fantastic work in that area. Um, I like again your 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 perspective of it doesn't mean you have to just bear everything how you're feeling, and I no. think I feel that's your leadership coming into play. Is that you're right, and and as someone who leads other people, I know what it's like if if everyone's feeling sad and I'm like oh, I'm feeling sad, we're doomed. Like that that <laughs> right. Um, so I like that part of understanding yourself, but then to read the the audience or your family or your 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 staff or your your the people you're leading to understand on how to lead them i think is really a good insight and it's and it's based on the same principles right so Mm -hmm. i'm not doing anything different in my the scenario i just gave you i'm not doing anything different than starting from the beginning as i look outward now to my team right i've got i've got myself together i'm i'm afraid at this financial situation that the company is facing Mm -hmm. and but Here's what here's how I'm choosing to act and present myself to the team. Okay. And and then we go forward. And then I, I look, I come out to the team and I look and I say, what is the emotions? The emotions are arrogance. The emotions are are, are comfort, you know, or whatever those emotions are. And those those are not the right and me as a leader thinking those are not the right emotions that they need to be feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I've got to, because that's the culture. What are we doing? I'm looking at how they're feeling. And now I'm looking at how they're acting. They've got their hands behind their, their, their heads and their feet kicked up on the table. And, you know, we're looking at bankruptcy. Okay, mm-hmm. our culture is one of arrogance right now. And that needs to change mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it's the same process. We have to just start it with ourselves individually, but then we put it out. To everything. What's the emotions going on? What are the actions? See emotions and culture. Now, what do I need it to be? Now, me as the leader, how do I need to present it to get it to get the behavior to where I need it to be? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I really, really appreciate that. And I'm gonna. I want to dive into the book now, but I want to comment on that and bring a parallel to money. And I guess my intent uh, or my my perspective around money is that in, in terms of what you're saying is and you did a great job about the shopping where you wanted to buy it, but you were able mm-hmm. to recognize that emotion. People always say, take the emotions out of money. It's impossible. We're it's emotional imp- creatures. Impossible. <laughs> impossible. Because, and take the emotion out of anything. Yeah, you can't. That's no. So now we've just, we've just put ourselves in a corner. What I, what I tell people around emotional awareness and recognition is you are allowed to have the emotions you have. You're allowed to have them. You are allowed to be angry. 
You are allowed to be frustrated. You are allowed to be happy. You are allowed to feel less than, okay? The question becomes, once I recognize that emotion, how do I want to act, okay? There's a, and there's a difference. There's a couple different conversations happening, right? I, there is a way to go back and say, why do I feel unworthy? Those are important discoveries. But what I, what I caution people with that is don't hang your hat on understanding why you don't feel worthy because you may not find the answer, right? Maybe it's something that happened in your childhood with your parents and your parents are dead. You'll never get the answer, right? So if you're hanging your hat on that, you're in big trouble. You're in for a long road. You can always say, I'm not sure why I feel this way, but I'm not acting on it going forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that will eventually help you um, mitigate those negative feelings. Right. So let's just say unworthiness mm-hmm. is one, right? Everybody feels unworthy to one. And you're just so sick and tired of feeling unworthy because you are, you, you keep recognizing it but you're doing, you're following the leader 193 process to say, here's how I feel, but how am I going to act on it? What is my personal culture going to be? Eventually you are going to act the way you want to act with worthiness. It's hard, right? With confidence. And sometimes it feels fake, but trust me, it's not. It's just the, it's the reprogramming of the brain. And eventually you will, as you, as you begin to say, yeah, unworthiness is on my left shoulder talking to me, but I'm acting as though I'm worthy. Okay. That will have way more power down the road. And eventually that unworthiness kind of goes away. Right. It might rear its head every now and again. Um, I'm not even sure what question I was just asking, but I just love to I love know, talk answer. about process. Yeah. I don't know what the <laughs> so, question was either, but I love yeah, the answer. But you, yeah. You're right. <laughs> Whatever the question yeah. was, that was an A plus answer. It was. And it, it just like, it gets me thinking so much again about the correlation between the emotions. Oh, and but money. it was emotions and money, right? We yeah. were talking about emotions and money. So that was the point. You can't, it's not fair to say, take the emotion out of money. It's not fair mm. because well, then if you have an emotion about the money and everybody's telling you, don't be emotional about money. You're like, well, what's wrong with me? Yeah, you I can't, know. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. You know, so yeah, no, recognize it and then decide how you're going to act on it. That's, that's the difference. Yeah. And like what I'm hearing is that you're, you're actively saying that we can rewrite that story going forward. Yes. But what I really like is you're saying, recognizing that emotion where sometimes yep. I've heard people being like, Oh, just think better. Think positive. Think this. And they forget to say, oh, no, I need to recognize that emotion where I clearly hear you in your book, in your spot. What is that emotion? Again, we've talked about this awareness, but you're not disregarding that. You're just saying maybe you don't have to go find why it happened. Like your example, the parents passed away, but recognize it, give it time and space and then rewrite going forward. And I think that's really powerful. That's it's look, it's here's why it's powerful. Okay. And, you know, people saying think positive and stuff like that. Well, yeah, but we need a little more context. Okay. We need to, and this is why the science portion, right? The process, art and science of leadership. When I wrote the book, it was designed wholly as a very um, academic and methodical process that I wanted to present. I wasn't even going to put stories in it. But I realized I had to because I wanted to highlight, look, here's where this kind of thing came from. And, and people enjoy some of the, the combat stories. So I put them in. But it wasn't, I was almost done with the book. And I had been doing research on the brain, how the brain works, behavioral change, and the rewiring of the brain. And what I came to realize was, wow, my process, my leadership process literally follows the research on how the brain rewires itself, okay? And it begins with emotions and how emotions send chemicals to the body. And then we become chemically addicted to certain emotions and subsequent behaviors to validate those emotions, right? See culture, because that's what we do. And then what we know is once you start thinking differently, I feel unworthy. But this time, I'm not going to act unworthy. Mm. This time I'm going to act this way. Just the very recognition of that emotion, how you used to act on it and how you want to act on it. 
the data, the science says, starts to rewire your brain. And then you make a plan. You say, okay, here's what I'm going to do to act the way I want to act, right? And then you, you make a plan. I have a planning process. And now the brain is really paying attention. And now you're actually doing something differently, even though it's really hard. And the brain is rewiring itself. Mm. Now, this, this notion of resistance that I talk about, mm-hmm. why is it then that if we know this to be scientifically true and we know it to be true from Errol's leadership perspective and it makes sense, why do we have such a hard time with it? The reason is, is because you are literally rewiring your brain. You are literally reimagining the physiological chemical makeup of your body. And guess what? That's really hard to do. So once you recognize that that's what you're doing, when you have that kind of slip up and when you kind of make a left turn when you should have gone right or straight and you recognize, no, it's okay. I'm trying to do something really hard. I can give myself a break. Just get back on on path. That's why when we see people who have made such drastic behavioral change in their life, the person who was 400 pounds, and now they're 175 pounds doing all these amazing things. There's a reason why that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, because they literally had to reimagine the chemical makeup of their body and their brain and the connection between the both of them. So um, yeah, the the positive self talk is fine, but only with context. Right. And it's got it. It's got to be backed up by a realization of what it is you're doing, where it is you want to go, and then action to go there. And that's how the brain rewires itself. Okay. So there's so much. That's a lot. Yes. No, that was awesome. (laughs) That's so good. I really like, again, you're very clear on awareness, understanding what's happening, stopping it, and like stopping that, um, that reaction and just being aware of it. But I want, I want you to lay out, you've kind of like indirectly without saying one, two, three, four, five, if you can mm-hmm. lay out the process for the audience. Yep. But before that, I wasn't planning on asking this type of question, but it's really making me think of this question. So in your experience in combat, in leadership, when people enter into this journey, this is a journey of rewiring our brain and an acceptance mm-hmm. that, hey, I need to do this. How do you assess someone's readiness to, to embark on that journey? And, and, and is that even a thing or, or is everyone ready? Uh, no, everyone is not ready. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're not. And, um, and, and I know that for a fact because I, I do leadership consulting now. Yeah. And sometimes people are sent to me against their will and they're not ready. Um, the people who seek me out and say, I need help, they're ready. Just yeah. that alone, they're ready. I'll, I'll make them better 10 times out of 10. Yeah. So how do I know, right? How do we make that assessment aside from, you know, it's, it's a cop-out for me to say it's just obvious because it's not obvious to everybody. Mm-hmm. It's obvious to me because it's what I do now. Um, but it, awareness, okay? It all starts with awareness. And if somebody is not even willing to try to be aware, they're not ready. So what do I mean? So when I first start working with somebody, let's just say, Sean, you and I are going to start to work. That first week is going to be on emotions, right? I'm going to, we're going to give you the app that we have, and I'm going to say three or four times a day, just put into the app what you're feeling, an emotion. doesn't matter. You don't need to give me backstory. You don't need anything, okay? Just write them down. Um, what's the reason behind that? Because you need, you're going to realize how little regard you give to your emotions on a day-to-day basis, okay? I have people who literally call me up and say, I'm not sure what an emotion is. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. You're ready because that means you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That means you're like, okay, what am I feeling? Oh, my God. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't even, right? So once, you, once somebody says to me, Errol, I couldn't even put my finger on what emotions I was feeling during the day. And I'll, you know, I'll ask some follow on questions. If we can have that conversation, you're getting pretty close to ready, right? Um, because you're, at least you're aware of it. You're acknowledging it and you're saying, I don't, I don't know what they are. I, I need help. And what a mess. So is somebody ready? If they are willing to be aware 
and willing to express their awareness and how aware they are, how aware they are not, that's going to be a key for me. So what would somebody else say? Oh, you know, yeah, no, yeah, I was, I felt pretty good. You know, I, I was, my emotions, they're, they're about, this. I'm not an emotional person, Errol. What do you want from me? Right. I just kind of do my thing and I don't worry about that stuff. Okay, cool. You're not ready, right? You're not, you are not ready because that's a non-answer. You know, my question was, no, no, just tell me what the emotion was. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to justify it, validate it, mm-hmm. anything. I'm just telling, give me a word. And when they have to dance around that whole thing, they're, they're not ready. They're not ready. You know, I do my best to get yeah. them ready, but sometimes they just, if they can't go there, if they can't go there around that awareness, um, and then what they do, right. Well, describe to me what you do based on this feeling. I just do it. I act on autopilot. I, I you know, intuition. I've been doing it so long. I don't even think anymore. Okay, good. You're not ready. You can't even have the discussion about how you are not even sure. Okay. And that's, so that's how, that's, that's how I assess. Is somebody ready to take the journey for behavioral change, leadership change, really are both one and the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, and again, this, I, this concept of awareness keeps coming up for you and I really, really appreciate that. And I think like this book is leadership. And again, I think this back to individual, we all lead ourselves. And I think it's a great gift to read the book. And then if like, yeah, I think it's a gift to be able to be aware of our emotions because it applies to everything. So let's emotions do- drive your actions. It, if you are not aware of the very thing that drives your actions, then you are acting randomly and you will get random results. Simple as that. When you break it down to leaders, leaders get results. And if you're just acting Right, without an awareness of why you're acting and, and what you're doing yeah. based on those emotions, then it's it's random. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it'll won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I really encourage everyone listening to get a copy of this book because it's all about that awareness of the emotions, leadership, and leading ourselves. So we've been talking about the book. Can you, and you've touched on pretty much all five of them, but can you lay it out just for people listening? Um, yep. What are the five? step process around your framework. Yeah. So again, we call it the process, art, and science of leadership. The process is this. this these are the elements of the leadership process that I believe are applicable at all times. Okay. If you are aware and account for these elements, you will find the solution to any problem. Okay. And you will, you will be better. Okay. Emotional awareness and recognition, right? We've hit that pretty hard. Mm-hmm then cultural awareness and recognition because emotions drive our actions and actions make up our culture. Okay. Now, once we have emotional and cultural awareness and recognition, we have done the painful self-awareness of how we feel and what we do. Then we move to guidelines for behavior. Now we have to decide based on what we've witnessed, how do I want to behave? Mm -hmm. And it's independent of widgets. Okay. If you didn't change the way you made, marketed, or sold your widget, but you behaved in this way, would you get better? Okay. It's a behavior that will make you better in everything you do based on what you've seen. That's the art of this thing. Okay. Because it's going to be different for everybody. So I don't go into something and say, Sean, you need to, um, you need to act more aggressively in things. Well, generally speaking, leaders act aggressively, and that's not a bad thing to say, but that might not be your issue. <laughs> okay, that might not be something that is holding you back. Okay, so now we've just wasted each other's time. So, okay, so there we so now we've done this awareness, behavioral guidelines. How are we going to behave? Okay, we're gonna pick one or two behaviors, not 15, because one or two behaviors will solve a lot of problems. Then we move to the next area. So once we've got this personal thing ready, in the end, leaders solve problems, okay? And you can't solve a problem unless you have a plan. So then we have a planning process, okay? So now we say emotional awareness and recognition, cultural awareness and recognition, and building off of each other, uh, guidelines for behavior, how am I going to behave, but now I need to act, what is my plan, planning process, Right. And then the final element is we touched on it called the resistance. Right. That's, and it's a, 
everybody uses the term resistance for one thing or another. My, my definition of it is, like we said, if I do the things that Errol's saying, I'll get better. Why do I not do it? <laughs> okay. If my team does the things I'm recommending them to do along these lines uh, from, the, from the leadership process, we'll get better as a team. Why do they fight me on it? Okay. It makes perfect sense. I'm, I'm not dictating anything. These are, these, are, these are concepts that will work. Well, the resistance is that science portion. We are literally trying to rewire people's brains. And, and with that understanding, we get it. We're going to run into some problems. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to resist it because it's not what we're used to. Look at it this way. There's not one person in the world who doesn't know that smoking is bad for you. Mm -hmm. People will just still smoke. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a resistance. It's just easier. I know it's bad for me. I don't care. I'm going to keep smoking. Right. I know not smoking is better for me. Right. It's the same concept. Yes, emotional, cultural awareness and recognition, defining how we're going to behave, making plans. Duh, that's going to make us better. Mm -hmm. Why don't we do it? It's the resistance because it's harder than the thing we were doing before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so. And what I what I like about your process, though, is like that idea of smoking or or whatever it is that I know I should do, but I'm not doing our brain doesn't like sitting in that discomfort. So it, it automatically justifies, but in your step-by-step process, you've already created guidelines. So you can go right. back to these guidelines that you've, you've identified that are going to move you towards where you're going. And that's I, right. And, and, and they're applicable to you. And that's why this, that's why this process is unique. That's why it is a process. Mm. Okay. And there's an art, right? Cause again, as let's all agree that the elements I just outlined are important. Okay. I've never had anybody not say none of these things make sense. They do. Mm. Okay. But inside of each one, it's just going to be different for all of us. The emotions that you struggle with, Sean, are going to be the difference in the emotions that I struggle with. Okay. And the behaviors that you need the guidelines for behaviors that you need to set for yourself are going to be different than mine, but let's all agree we need to set them, okay? Because we talk about this thing about accountability, personal accountability, accountability with teams. Let me help you out. Can't hold someone accountable if they don't know what they're supposed to be accountable to. And if you identify behaviors that you are committed to doing as an individual or as a team, guess what? We get to hold each other accountable to those things. Sean, you said that you would do better at not finishing people's sentences. You would let them finish their thought, right? If I did that, if I behaved in that way, would I get better? If I didn't finish everybody's sentence for them? The answer is, of course you would, right? And you've probably identified that that's something that's not making you your best self. So now that's a good, applicable leadership behavior for you. Okay, that's why this process is so powerful because I don't tell anybody what to do, mm-hmm. okay? I just say, we've got to hit these elements and we've got to identify what's inside of them. And now you tell me, what have you, mm-hmm. what have you been aware of and what do you want to do? And that's it. Now it's yours. You've owned it. I, You know what, Errol, in a world of... I'm going to tell you what to do to get rich. I'm going to tell you what to do to make you more productive. I'm going to tell you the five steps to be like what you need to do. This is a breath, breath of fresh air. Is like you're, this process, I think, just ignites the, the burning fire inside of us as opposed to you being like, do this and you'll succeed. That's it because it, it's, tr- it's truly yours. And that's, you know, that's, that's the best way to get and, – and look, think about it, right? five steps to get rich or whatever it is, right? I want somebody to tell me that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But here's what I do know. I know that I have an emotional relationship with money and sometimes I purchase things, um, uh, in an emotional state, right? Right. It's like people eat ice cream. I might go buy Mm -hmm. whatever I buy. And now I know that that behavior does not lend itself to wealth creation, right? Mm-hmm. So what do I want to do? It's the same process for any mm-hmm. challenge that you're making, right? You're a financial advisor. If I walked you through those steps, you'd be like, yeah, those make perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You have to be aware of your emotions and what you do on those emotions and your relationship to money. And now how do you want to behave with money and then make the plan? It's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same. And then when you make that emotional purchase, that's the resistance. Recognize yeah. it. Ah, yeah, I made a mistake. I can get back on board. Yeah, get back on board because we 
eliminated that judgment of you're bad now. You're you're you're. Bored. That's right. That's right. Um, I see our time. I want to be respectful of time. Uh, I thought I blinked and an hour went by. Um, <laughs> so, oh, I, I want to talk about ice baths um, and a combat example, but I guess to another time. But my we last can do it again. Yeah, we, we can, can do it again. again. <laughs> I, 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 you're great stories in there. But my last question for you is, um, fast forward to you're 90 years old, looking back mm-hmm. on the life you've created, the story you've created. Mm-hmm. And if you had to write a letter to your kids' kids, or even their kids, if they, whatever <laughs> generation isn't alive yet, what, what would yep. you what would you write in a letter that explained the legacy you want to live or you wanted to bring in life and how that can impact them positively? Well, you know, that's a, that's a very deep and interesting question. And for your listeners, you did not tee that up before you asked me. So I didn't get any chance to think about that, but, but I, I do have an, right now. That's right. I do have an idea. Right. And, and I think the idea is, is around what we, what we opened the show with was, you know, who am I? Um, I'm bringing my best self to every scenario. Okay. And if I'm doing that, I'm having maximum impact on everybody that I touch. And that maximum impact can mean different things. It can mean Errol brought levity to a situation that required levity. Errol bought gravitas to a situation that required gravitas. Errol brought reason to a situation, whatever it is, if I'm bringing my best self to every scenario, then that means I will have maximum impact on people's lives. And I think, I think ultimately that would be the legacy that I would like to hand down to my kids' kids, you know, and, and, and I think it's a worthwhile one. You know what, Errol? Um, we are miles and miles apart, but I can feel the impact you left on me. And I'm sure the listeners, your energy, your perspective, your willingness to share um, it speaks to that legacy you want to leave that you're doing it already. And I know well, I speak, appreciate that. And in speaking to the mutual individuals that we know, they've only said positive things to you. So that, that script of that story is being written already. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you letting me share this, this, uh, this script. And, uh, there's a lot left to talk about ice yeah. baths and comedy. Know. So look, I, you just let me know when we'll get on and do it again. Cause we can, there's a whole bunch of, uh, uh, you know, avenues we didn't hit. Ah, uh, so many. Um, I, I don't know your time. Do you have uh, to explain quickly the benefit of these ice baths? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got okay. time for you. Um, so the ice baths, right? So um, look, there's, it, it's called the Wim Hof method. Okay. Uh, that's, I'm a certified instructor and I use the Wim Hof, I do Wim Hof method seminars, Wim Hof method, breathing, cold exposure, mindset. Okay. There's a lot that, there's a lot of benefits in, in today's day and age with COVID um making people crazy and the stress that everybody's under, which is making us more susceptible to a virus like COVID um, because it weakens our immune system. This, this is the answer. Now I use the Wim Hof method and cold exposure as a leadership tool for my process, right? Just to, so for example, uh, emotional awareness and recognition, how do I practice that? That's a skill. Well, I say, if you go into an ice bath with the intention of identifying your emotions, because you're going to have emotions and they're not going to hide from you, right? That's a good drill to practice that element of the process. So that's one way I use it. The other way, you know, again, for me personally, it helps me refocus, recenter, uh, just like I did before I came on here, you know, on the Instagram story. So for me, those are some some things. But on a more practical level and on a more universal level, I suppose. <clears throat> Wim Hof um, does not do anything anymore without a team of scientists following him around, right? He, he's done these crazy things like climbing Mount Everest in a pair of shorts, and he's two hours in an ice bath without his core body temperature changing. And his point was that we have lost our sense of what we're capable of, meaning we make ourselves sick and we can make ourselves well. And the science is showing 
We can do that through his very unique breathing method and cold exposure. What's it doing? Okay. It is literally strengthening your autonomic nervous system and then hence your innate immune system. You exercise those things, that physiology when you get into the cold and you activate that stress response and then you activate the um, sympathetic, the parasympathetic response, that rest and digest by getting calm. Okay. Mm. Same thing with the, with the breath work. These are broad strokes right now. Some people might be listening and going, well, I'm not sure what he's talking about, but if you have a vague familiarity with it, that's what's happening. Okay. So when we are able to do that voluntarily, we literally get to eliminate the inflammation in our body that is caused by stress, right? Inflammation is caused in our body uh, when we don't eat right, when we don't exercise, and those are important, okay? But the most important one is the stress because you can exercise all you want, but if you're running five miles in a rage, okay, you're still going to have inflammation building up from the stress. So the exercise is slowing down the problem, okay? So when we can eliminate the inflammation in our body every day, we're starting from a beautiful place of zero, of, of true physiological health. Okay, and when we have that, our immune system is strong. So when we get hit with something like COVID, our body isn't overreacting. Our immune system isn't overreacting to it. That's why people are dying right now of COVID. It's a new virus. So it's going to hit our body differently. And if we don't have a strong immune system, if we have a compromised immune system, our immune system is going to overreact. And ultimately, that's what leads to people dying. Okay, so yeah, the virus is dangerous because it's new. Mm -hmm. But I've had I've had COVID. And you get I was, you know, there was a day where I was like, this is bad. This hurts. But no worse than any other flu. Okay. And then a few days after that, you're a little worn down because you were sick, but I didn't miss a day of work. I, I work from home, everybody. I didn't go out. <laughs> God forbid somebody, you know, call me a super spreader or whatever it is. Yeah. But the point I'm making is this is, this is the essence of the Wim Hof method. Okay. Mm. It is about having a strong immune system. So your immune system doesn't overreact when there's a foreign invader, right? So my body Right? I sure I had a fever um, and I didn't feel great, but I was able to walk around and I was able to function. So my immune system was still working. It just wasn't overreacting. And in the background, the, the white blood, was it the red blood cells? White blood cells, right? Whichever blood cells that fight the fight were on full go for it, but I wasn't being... Uh, I wasn't being pinned down by an overreactive immune system from the fever and like, oh, I can't move. So that's a lot. I probably gave an explanation that is not what you were looking for for the users, but I think it's important to note, eliminate inflammation from your body caused by stress. Stress weakens your immune system, become, makes you more susceptible to things like COVID. There's no more important topic in mm-hmm. today's yeah, yeah, world yeah. than right? our, our health. Yeah. So does it, does it make a little sense or did yeah, I get totally. a little too scientific? There? Yeah. No, no, no. You, you made me wondering if I can get a, a bathtub in my basement that I could start filling up. Cold showers work. I've cold showers cold work. Showers. Oh, they do? I've been doing cold showers oh, yeah. in Canada. We've got some cold pipes too. Our, our ground's frozen. That's right. Look, <laughs> You're, look, Canadians should be good to go, right? Because all you look, you could just step outside, take your shirt off, put on a pair of gloves because that vasoconstriction is going to hurt. But, you know, and again, this is not about ego, right? If you're in the cold and you're just not feeling well, get out. Nah, okay, that, that's not what it's about, mm-hmm. okay? But your body will adapt to function. That's one thing Wim Hof has told us. We have lost the ability for our body to adapt to function. Our, the reason our immune systems are so weak it's because we're not exercising our physiology. What does that mean? Right? You're in Canada right now. It's probably really cold outside. Well, I'll bet you where it's not. I bet you it's about 70 degrees where you're sitting. Right? Yeah. Nice and yeah. comfortable. Right? Yeah. And if you're going to run out to your car, you're going to put your jacket on, your yeah. gloves on, your hat on, and you're going to turn the heat on just about 70 degrees. Right? And all of again, that's true, except we call it a toque. A toque. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Not a hat. <laughs> You're put your toque on. Yeah. All right. But the point is, I'm not telling people not to be comfortable, but 
we're nothing but comfortable. So our mm-hmm. physiology is not adapting. It's not strong. It's weak. So then when it needs to do something like fight off a foreign invader, okay, and especially one that are, that's new like COVID, well, it's going to struggle, okay? And, and that's why people are suffering so badly from this thing, okay? So, yeah, there you go. Awesome. I, I like that. I'm going to include your 365 at three point or 36.5 in the show notes. So everyone. Okay. Can very good. Get that. Cause I, I enjoy that. And for everyone, where can they find you? Where can they get your book? What's your website, your social media? Yep. Yeah. So look at, you know, the cheap plug is the process art and science of leadership. Um, there it is. <laughs> Perfect. And my website is leader 193.com. Uh, we've got a pretty good website, so you can learn all about my leadership offerings, my retreats, my open retreats, my one-on-one coaching, my video series coaching, all those things you can learn about, the Wim Hof Method, how I employ it, uh, and then I can send you, you know, if you go there, I'll also have links to send you to the Wim Hof page himself. Um, you can buy the book there. It, we've got the link uh, on the website, leader193.com, which sends you to Amazon to buy the book. The audio book just came out. And as well, and my social media platforms, you know, primarily Instagram and Facebook at leader one nine three. And that's where everybody can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and uh, a lot of insight for your book. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to this conversation with Errol. I really recommend everyone heads over to Errol's site and grab a copy of his book. It is fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. His stories, his experiences, they're so, so valuable. But if you want a free copy, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Take a screenshot, send it to me, and I'll enter you into a draw to win a free copy of his book where I'll send to you. Thank you so much. Until next time, have a great day.